All right, welcome, welcome. I'm not used to what happened here. um... All right, good to see everybody. My name is Phil. Um, Like what Christy said, I'm grateful um, uh, for this time and just to be back again. Thank you. Thank you for all the leadership, um, the leadership team, the pastoral team like Alan, like Larry, uh, many others in the leadership for our Sunday services all the way to events. Um, Thank you for each one of you to allow me to take the sabbatical to finish seminary, to, um, yeah, to have this uh, period to reflect and period to just slow down a little bit. I realize more and more how important that is to just have these checkpoints in life to just realize what's happening, what am I doing, where am I going, you know, and I think today's message is, is somewhat built on that. It's a trajectory in life, you know. And now it's just really <clears throat> part of this uh, sabbatical, part of the seminary, is really just thinking, what's ahead? You know, what, is, what has God been doing? How did I get to where I'm at? And just there's a bunch of questions that you know, other pastors have sent me to think about life, to think about. And I realize more and more I'm drawn to this passage. I'm drawn to this pas- passage as, I, as we explore today. Uh, just about, you know, what we're thinking about, what we're thinking about, how does it matter in our trajectory and our destination, how do we get there and what it is, right? And I think this letter from Paul, Apostle Paul, uh, he's, you know, as he's following God throughout his years, right, he writes this towards the end of his life, towards the end of his life, and he's in jail, right? He's in house arrest, and he's writing this to the Philippians, this church in Philippi. And in the beginning of this um, book, since we're not going through the whole book, he says this as his prayer. You know, and I kind of like this. I like it when I think about kind of the last words, the words, you know, from someone that's far away that's kind of mentioning, hey, these are things that are important, are things that you want to think about, are things that matter, right? And he says this, and he says in Philippians 1, 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Right? That is not just this knowledge and depth of insight, but that your love, this connection, this fullness of it, is built with knowledge and depth of insight. This living out our faith is, is much more than just knowing what faith is. Right? And so as I've been thinking about this, and as he's writing this, and, <clears throat> and we're going to look at just a section of it in chapter 3, I want us to just uh, be able to see things and, and really just take in and take it from the perspective that he's writing this, wanting them to understand things towards the end of his life, towards when he knows he's towards, like, his life is coming to an end, right? So it starts with Philippians 3, and he's writing to this, <clears throat> to the people. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Right? <clears throat> for as we who are circumci- the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says this about himself, and he's giving a context. He's writing about people that are speaking 
kind of teaching false doctrines, teaching things to the people. Hey, you need to do this. You need to have these things in order. And he's saying, wait, don't have any confidence in the flesh. Watch out for those false teachers. And he's writing, for him, if he was based off of this, he's writing, so he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for the righteousness based on the law faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take this, take such a view of of things, and if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Right? This trajectory in life, I want us to just, from this passage, just take three things. Hopefully, there's so much in there, but hopefully this idea of knowing where, knowing where what Paul is mentioning, know where he is going, what he is thinking about this mindset, knowing how, or really knowing who, right, in, this, in his walk, and lastly, knowing what. Knowing what. So these three things. The first we'll start off with just knowing where, the destination, right? <clears throat> I, I, I worked with college students for many years, and even myself, as I talk to people, a lot of times, even in my seminary, you know, there's, there's a talk where <clears throat> I have to give a, uh, I have to write a 28-page pa- paper, and part of it was, you know, I, I realized, oh, I'm going to write on this topic. So beforehand, all the other classes, I was thinking through and saying, oh, I'm going to write little pieces of that project in these other classes. And this way, I can copy and paste some of it and kind of put it together in ways that helps me, helps me understand and prepare for things, right? When you know of what's ahead, you kind of plan ahead and you, you recognize things and you, you work towards things, right? And having this trajectory in life, knowing where we're going, is one thing that I know for half of us or some of the students here, is that many times we're thinking, okay, I'm going to be here, I need to do this, right? I need to prepare and get this done. Even for career, I need to get these things together. I need to put this. We think a lot about times, a lot of things in that way, knowing where we're going and how to plan ahead in it. But I wonder in the bigger scheme in life, what that looks like. What are our anchors that holds us, that gives us kind of this weight allows us to make sure we're aligned to where we really want to go. Because much of life is not what we achieve that we take away. 
There's much more than that. I mean, this question that we have to all ask ourselves, right? <clears throat> I think um, I saw this picture, and I thought, wow, this is cool. It's a time-lapse uh, a picture where, where they, you see this kind of movement of the earth and all the stars, but you see the center point, right? This is the North Star, Polaris Star right now, and I realized as I studied it more, I was like, whoa, it actually changes, okay? After 5,000 years, it could change to a different, slightly different star. It depends on our tilt. But this star has given <clears throat> sailors, journeyers, adventurers, uh, kind of the compass of knowing where north is. Kind of knowing where they're going, knowing where south, east, west by, by deduction. But by knowing the, thing, the, the, the star that does not set or rise, that it's in one place, it gives people this understanding when they travel where they're going to go. Right? I realize more and more this is important. What are the, the trajectory when we think about that? Where are we aiming? What is that really important in our lives that we're thinking? Not just necessarily for the short run, I need to get here, I'm going to do this. But where are we aiming in our lives? For Paul, I think, <clears throat> captures it in this passage when he says that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That this is him saying I may, that I may gain Christ and be found. He is looking back in his life and he's saying, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Right? He is in house arrest in Rome. He's writing this as he's aging. And in the beginning of this, uh, in this book, he actually writes this. And this is, I'm just giving this a framework because it just shows his mindset, right? In Philippians 1, verse 21, 21 and 23, right? He says, for me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. You know, this is, it's, it's, when I see, it's like, oh, wow, like, his mindset is, is focused, is in ways, is, is to die is the gain. You know, this past week, um, you know, one of uh, spiritual giants and one person that influenced me, you know, and Jenny actually texted me about this, uh, pastor, pastor Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York, and, you know, I was just, I don't know what hit me when, when I read this, when Jenny sent it to me. And I was just thinking, wow. You know, and he's, <clears throat> he has, um, he had a, um, man, why am I blanking out right now? Um, he had cancer uh, and, <clears throat> starts with a P. Where, why am I? Pancreatic, thank you. He had a pancreatic cancer, and usually it's only three months, and he was able to live for three years, right? And, <clears throat> He says this, I mean, to his family, and, you know, they tweeted it out, and they, there's no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. See you soon. If I'm honest with myself, I realize, am I able to say that right now? To my family, to my friends, there's just no downside. And I realize, man, I'm not there. I want to be. I want to be there. I think I can. I think God could help. But if I'm in that position right now, am I seeing that kind of trajectory that, that this is where I'm going? 
Because I realize more and more it's not just this idea that <clears throat> heaven is a place of insurance, a place of, you know, a place where you, you have life, but rather it is this relationship with God. This understanding that is much more than just a destined place. It's much more than that. And for him to say that, to understand that, for Paul to say that, to encourage us to see our destination affects what we do now. It affects our planning, our thoughts, our actions. And I want to say that knowing where this destination, this kingdom focus allowed him to really recognize even the areas in his life that he perhaps, that he considers lost, he considers that are not that important. Right? He says it in this way, <clears throat> and I'm just going to highlight some of it. Right? He was circumcised on the eighth day. To him, and when he's writing to the Philippians, he's telling him, this is a person I was circumcised. That, that means, you know, his, both his parents were Jewish, Right? It's not just him just saying that. That means he, he mentions that he's from the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. He's giving his, a lineage, his heritage, right? That, hey, my parents, pure Jewish people, this, this fall, they followed them. They followed God, right? They, they wanted me to follow God. It goes on and he says, in regards to the law, the, you know, the Torah, the, the understanding that what they had to follow, he was a Pharisee, he was trained by a, a famous Pharisee, a rabbi, right? And he was persecuting the church because he believed in what it was taught. He was believed to say, wait, that these followers of Christ are actually against God. And until he had this revelation, this encounter with God, did he change, right? So he was a man that was, from heritage-wise, <clears throat> a, a, a believer. He was a man, in regards to achievement-wise, following, having all the, the right pieces, the training, and even his living out righteously, faultless, to say that. And he says this at the very end. He says, I consider, now, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Because he knew the destination. He knew that this achievement, this <clears throat> earning, being right with God, trying to be right with God, is not what it means is not what it means. And when he says that, he understood. He, he, he's sharing that with the people. That is not, is not these things. I realize in, in our culture, in our time, that a lot of times it's maybe not that different. You know, we, we can talk about, and I know for myself I wasn't, but you know, I was, you know, you hear people say, oh, I, my parents were Christian. Or I grew up in the church. I went to church all the time on sun, at Sundays. We read the Bible all the time. It could just be the same things as what Paul's talking about. He was circumcised. This is his lineage, his heritage, his family. They raised them up, right? Perhaps he memorized, you know, these days we could memorize all these verses, go to these VBS all these different things and say, hey, I, I know the Bible inside and out. Or even righteous based on the law. Even today's time, we can, we can live in a good way, right? Where it's acceptable, where people see that. But perhaps we're falling into the same traps too. 
And he's reminding, it is not that. This kingdom focus is what he's speaking on, is that I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And what? And he says this, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I mean, it is not this confidence in human efforts and feeling accepted, but rather understanding that it is because of what Christ did on the cross. That when he died on the cross and he paid for our sins, that we have a way before God. And that changes our whole perspective, right? It changes our whole perspective of what it looks like and what it means in our destination. Is it just to get there? Or is this something else? And Paul talks about this right afterwards. And I want to mention that as we say, knowing how is knowing who. Right? And he continues on. He says, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing for me to think about this, that he's writing this towards his end of his life. This person that when we read in scripture, all the letters, all the things that he's written about and understood at that point, to be, for that person to be like, no, 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 I want to know Christ. And in this, in our understanding of this knowing Christ, is not just know about Christ, this personal relationship with God. This, this richness in relationship. And I was thinking about how to describe this, and, and I realized more and more it's not, it's not a complete illustration, but as I think about, oh man, the, the people that we know, people that I've known in high school and, and growing up, trying to get to, as I got to know them, that over time, it's still a time of getting to know them more, right? That even though we move to different places, we've changed. We got to know each other. We come back together. We're not the same. And that could be said about marriage, that even after many years of being over a decade of being married, that there is still more to know. That it doesn't end. But you know what? God, God doesn't change. But he is infinite. And there is just so much. That there's richness that he wants to reveal to you, to me, of that it is much more than just having this destination, but rather this whole process, this journey with him that he cares and that he reveals himself to do. You know, and Paul even mentions as he continues, become with, like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Right, in scripture and other parts, Paul ta- speaks of this new life that we've been given, this new creation that the old is gone, but we live in the struggle of the now, right? The present that we know that we're not there yet. But he is speaking and encouraging the Philippians, hey, I, I want to know him. I want to know this new life. I want to experience it. I wonder more and more, and this is something that I want to encourage our church, encourage you and myself to, to speak to each other about what does it look like to know Christ. I think oftentimes we just think about it and we're like, oh, this is just, um, 
you know, it's just, oh, it's a relationship. But when I remember first becoming a Christian, I was like, what does that mean to know Christ? And there are, there are different ways, and I, I don't want to just, you know, make it only one. And this is why I think it's important to encourage you, each person, to share about what that looks like and what that means. What does it look like for you after following Christ, whether it's one year, two months, ten years, or not? What does it look like to know Christ? To speak on this? To share about this relationship, this richness? Not just attending service, whether it's here or another place, or having our kids go to church, but what does it look like to have relationship with God? And when this relationship, when this is happening, I think it's a continued process of challenge, of understanding that this is all about grace. That when we realize that, I think it changes, transforms how we see, how we talk, how we interact with other people. That there's no, this, I have obtained something, but rather, no. You are loved by God, I am loved by God. How do we speak on that? How do we share about this knowing Christ? There's so much about this relationship, but I want to encourage, because I realize more and more, when I think about my times, not just in college, because I don't want to just look back and be like, oh, that's the only time. As it continues and changes, what does it look like for me to having that, sp that specific time to spend with God? And I realize I'm thankful for the sabbatical because there were periods where I got to just slow down, not think about all the things that we, I have to do or I need to do or the kids or all this other stuff, but just having moments to try to slow down, to ask, where do I want to go? Where is God leading me? And I think that richness comes through this relationship. And please, if you have questions, talk to someone. Talk to me. Talk to anyone next to you. You know, we'll, I'm, I'm going to share why it's important at the end of who we are as a church. But this knowing where the destination and how that affects what we do, how we live, and really knowing how, this who, knowing this relationship, who is God, who is Jesus, and lastly, knowing what. I want to say that because <clears throat> knowing what stops us. You know, and this is what Paul mentions, at least two things. I'm sure there's many more. But Paul encourages the Philippians in two ways that I want to highlight. The first one is staying comfortable and complacent. Right? He says this, <clears throat> when Paul says this, he says, not that I've already obtained this. This is, like I said, this is a, a person that has written theology that we built upon understanding who God is. The person, as he's saying this to his, peop his people that he knows, he says, I have not obtained it. Not that I've or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This, <clears throat> this idea of pressing on, of not being comfortable, staying comfortable, this willingness to change. The older I get, the more I realize I have to want to change. I have to want to follow, to hear, to be malleable to what God is saying to me. Otherwise, I could just be complacent and comfortable 
And there's so much more that I think God wants to reveal for all of us. And part of that is what I mentioned earlier, this idea of growing in grace. Because I think it changes all the things that we talk about in how we relate to people, how we love people. That is not, oh, you need to be here. No, it's meeting people where they are and loving them the way that God loves. Right? Seeing that there is no difference in my life and in a person's life, that we're following, that we're having on this journey with God. And lastly, this idea of willing to follow for him. Right? He was willing to say, hey, I have not obtained this. Right? <clears throat> I have not arrived. But he presses on to take hold. And this is, <clears throat> this is big, because if you look at the big picture of what he's going through right now, and this last sermon series went through Acts, the book of Acts. And one of the chapters, 21, speaks on when Paul is saying, hey, I need to go to Jerusalem. I need to go there. And everyone around him saying, don't do it. It's not good. You're going to be bound. You're going to go thrown in jail. But he's like, no, 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 I need to go. And he knows that he needs to go even when he is going to encounter hardship. Because what we know in life is that life is, could be very good, but it could be tough. There are a lot of ups and downs, but this idea of willing to follow, not saying he's following what God has called him, what God is leading in his life, and there's that richness that he speaks on that I believe, and I, I've seen hints of it in my life, and I hope to see more. But he says this, and the last thing I want to mention for this staying complacent is that he says, I do not, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Right? He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. This idea of staying comfortable and complacent, one of the things to go against it is humility. You see that in his life and what he's writing about. He's speaking to people that he has led, that he's discipled, and he says, hey, I'm not but I press on, and he's showing and living out in his life in humility. I think all those are important in our, as we grow in our, in our walk with God of not staying comfortable and complacent, but growing in that trajectory, following through. Because the storms of life will push us left and right. And it is those anchors, those North Stars, that will help us understand where are we going? Where are you going? Where do you want to go? And the second thing that stops us, knowing what stops us and what Paul mentions, is not letting the past define us. He says this, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Right? And if you know his life and what he just mentioned, he persecuted the church. He killed, he, had, he was approved, he was there when he approved the killing of Stephen. He was there when he was dragged, people were dragged out of their houses. That if we look at him, when he thinks about his life of what he has done, is he good enough? No, no, no. He realizes that. And I think for, <clears throat> encourages each one of us in his, is that there's something about what we do before we know Christ, something about what we do when we do know Christ and we make mistakes. And there's another aspect of as we're growing and we're con we will never be perfect, but not letting the past define where we are and where we go. 
He says that forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He is straining towards what God has called him, his purpose. God has laid a plan and a purpose for him. And he went, goes to Jerusalem, then goes to Rome, and he lives out this life. And I wonder, <clears throat> as I think about it in my own life, what are these trajectory of knowing and following and living out? Because I think too often, even especially for myself, it is not just the knowing, it is the living out. It is practicing and wrestling with what that looks like. Asking myself, at this point in my life, am I on that trajectory? Am I following, aiming for that path? Because sometimes it's easy. It's a lot easier. The path of least resistance is to do nothing and to be okay with it. I love how he kind of ends as he speaks to them in this letter. And he says, and there's another chapter too. He says, but he says, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. It's not so much of, you know, what do we have to go and how do we, we have to live up? No, no. I think if we practice what we already know, if we live up to the things that God has shown you, the things that God has convicted I believe there's going to be a change in the richness in our relationship and in our life of what we see, the daily things that happen. That <clears throat> when that happens, I think there's something that we can see and, and, be, and, and recognize here right now. I say this all because I want to conclude with just two slides of just simply, as I've been <clears throat> using this time too in my sabbatical, to just pray for the church. I think I want to just continually remind us as a church. You know, where is our trajectory? What, is, what are we doing? Not just individually, but collectively. Because God has brought us together. And this is our purpose statement. That, you know, <clears throat> Paul mentions earlier that, you know, he doesn't mind repeating things. I'm like, okay, I could repeat things. Our purpose statement at this church is to live to encounter and respond to God in every day, in the everyday, while inviting others on the journey. This idea of, it's not just encountering and just leaving behind and just being, oh, that was great. I just got to feel good about my time with God. No, it's encountering and responding. Responding to the things that God is making known and understood and just even in the everyday, not just the big moments, but the everyday parts of our lives, and sharing that with others, inviting others on this journey, that it's good, that it's not just something to do, but it is enriching, it is full. I'm going to say this because I, I just constantly am thinking as I think about the trajectory of this church, the trajectory of my life, and I, I want to encourage the more that during my sabbatical, I was able to visit other churches, and they do a lot of churches, they do a lot of things, great things, but I realized more and more there's certain things that, I, that really draw me, and those are things that I hope for our church that we can practice and continue, that this is not just me, but it's our leadership and our kind of our history, and even currently what we want to move forward, is learning to follow Jesus together, not just alone, not just in our own silos, more and more these days, we desire connection. We desire relationships. And it's, it's really not 
I don't think it's just something that just comes out of like, oh, I have a good relationship with God. It's much easier to speak on it, to talk about it, to just hear each other. Hear someone that is excited about God. Hear someone that is struggling with God. We learn to follow Jesus together. And in that way, we practice vulnerability and being authentic. You know, one of the things that I've <clears throat> been trying during the sabbatical is for many years, you know, I've, and, and for those who have known me, and I would say it's a good thing, you know, all these years, of I used to think, oh yeah, if I'm good, doing good with God, everything's good. You know, like I don't really need a lot of people in my life. But more and more I realized, man, am I wrong. You know, there is a need for people that we are not on this journey on our own and it's not made to be on our own. And then not only that, it's not just to have people, but actually live out being vulnerable and authentic with what that looks like. And as we do that, we're going to realize we are messed up, but we can extend God's grace, and this is generosity and hospitality. We can extend grace through generosity and hospitality. I think sometimes just inviting someone over and just being like, hey, you could be yourself. You're, we could share and we could live life together. Come on over. Right? That is not just our homes. It's just our nuclear homes, but rather this is a church family. This is a family that includes and invites others into this life. A few more, okay, I promise. I won't go too long. But I want to talk about it because I, it reminds me of why we're here. That I, We're not gathering just a group of people that go to church on Sundays. But I want us, I want myself to live out these things. That we would pursue justice through love and mercy. That we would live that out. And I'm so grateful to hear that we're going to join in on the Transformation Center again. It was a great experience for me, you know, to just be a part of to see 30 years of that church investing into that community and loving that community, providing, you know, all sorts of things, jobs, life, food, love, and just being there. To you know, hear some of their stories, I encourage you to just join in. I think that there's much to be done in this neighborhood and many neighborhoods in Baltimore if we live out our faith in pursuing justice through love and mercy, right? Not just pursuing justice, but through love and mercy, because that changes all things, right? It's not about being right. And as we do all this, we hope to equip and send people to follow out, as we learn, follow Jesus, responding to what God has in plan for you and I, as we continue to follow and this is always something big, enjoying unhurried time with God. Uh, I think it's just too easy when we talk about this relationship with God to just happen organically. Right? I'll be honest with you. Perhaps in college or when, we're, you know, when I look at kids, it happens organically. They just play with anybody. But to have a sustained relationship, depth, it is unhurried and it is intentional. That it, <clears throat> if we expect five minutes to get to know someone and then never talk to them again for another day and just be like five minutes again, it is hard to get deep, to be real, 
And I would say the same that that relates to God. What does that look like as we spend? And it doesn't mean that it has to be hours long, but what does that look like to have these moments? Just like if you think about relationship with any friend, what does that look like to have the sustained relationship with a friend? Last couple, valuing and creating spaces for restoration. I, I think this is something... You know, as we talk about the trajectory, these are the important things that anchor us of who we want to be and who we continue to hopefully strive to be. Is that life is messy. It is very messy. We are all sinners. And that doesn't equate to, okay, it doesn't matter. But how do we be restored? How do we love? How do we grow? Because it's not about just following the same patterns. It's about recognizing what God, has, what God and the Holy Spirit has opened in our lives and then responding to that, living that out. And in all that, those two things is ex- exercising grace towards each other and ourselves, that we're not going to be perfect, we're not going to be there. We, but is, this is when I think what Paul talks about that he recognizes that all that is lost, achievement. <clears throat> it is not being, being acceptable before God, but ra- rather knowing God and knowing his righteousness being acceptable. And lastly, sharing the story, God's story with others. I share this because all of this is important as we think about not just in your life, in my life, the trajectories that we have, but what does it look like collectively? Because I think we want to join in and follow God, not just as individuals, but also together. And I think that when those things happen, our lives are richer and fuller than it could ever be. Let's pray. Worship team, if you could come up. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to earn your love. We thank you that, Lord, that you... Love us even before we knew you. That you demonstrated this love by sending your son, Jesus, here to reveal himself, to allow us to know God, not just as a faraway God, but a human, a person that's relatable, that understands what we go through. And yet, did not sin, but yet took on all our sin. And in that way have given us this righteousness, this basis of faith to come before you, to have this relationship, not because we earned or we would ever earn it, but because you've given that to us, that you invited each person to do that. And so, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to realign and make sure our North Star, our trajectory, where we're aiming is towards you. That we know that we'll go left and right. We know that <clears throat> we might go in circles at times, but that you will carry us through. Lord, I pray for this richness of relationship with your son, Jesus. I pray for that in the ways that Paul speaks on that he wants to know Christ. That 
there is so much more. Help, help us to see how you're part of our everyday, that not just those big decisions, not, but the everyday that you are there, that you know what we're going through, that you hear the cries of our hearts, even the things that we do not say. And that you say you love us still. Lord, draw us to you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Continue this journey in humility and willingness. At the same time, forgetting the past to not let the past define what you have given us in this future. Lord, I lift up the church. May we live to the ways that you have called us together to live as a church, as this body, to sh share with one another, to share with those around us, to invite people on this journey of encountering and responding to you, Lord. That you are not a faraway God, but a God that is right next to us, that knows, that desires to reveal yourself. And so, Lord, help us still to have that hope again. When it feels so far away, when it feels, when we feel so lost, help us to cry to you the way that the disciples did, and you calmed the storm and you showed up how you are the Lord of all. Help us to see that when we cry to you, that you hear, that you respond, that you speak. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts to see, Lord, the ways that you are leading. Help us adjust and to follow you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, that your love is good. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.